Welcome to Focus Fire Chat. Explore together. Welcome back for episode 63 of Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on December 9th, 2016 on Twitch.tv. Big shout out to the live chat here. Thank you so much for spending your evening with us. This is your host, Blue Crew 86 Alongside me, we have the flowery voice of Justin Sane 0516. Justin, how hello, have the hello, drops hello. been for you? Blah, blah, blah. Oh, man. I just completely threw you off. Yeah, you did. Yeah. How, how have the it's- drops been? They've been good. Most of them have been in Titanfall 2 here lately. Uh, I did um, I did do the raid Wednesday night and got a 385 super good advice. That was nice. random. Yeah. Did he give you any advice? Yes, and it was so-so. Oh, well, the topic of today's chat is going to be an exploration of the last of the playable guardian races that we have access to in Destiny, the humans. Before we get into that, however, I do have a few housekeeping notes to go through. In our last chat, we took a look at the new lore of Rasputin. If you missed that and have any interest in hearing our thoughts, please be sure to check out www.focusfirechat.com for archives of all previous chats, as well as links to all our various other pages. If you don't mind, please give us some feedback on iTunes to let us know how we're doing as well. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a cross-community gathering where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. This chat begins every Tuesday morning and runs until the following Tuesday, with topics decided by the group via a poll that begins every Friday and ends on the Tuesday morning of the new chat. Every Friday at about 10 p.m. Central, we get together to stream a recap of the previous week's chat for those who are unable to participate. Please be sure to also give some support to the other podcasts in the Guardian Radio Network found at theguardiansofdestiny.com. These include The Guardian Radio, the official podcast of The Guardians of Destiny, Guardian One, and Ghost and Echoes, which also includes the Destiny Audio Grimoire. Our next chat's going to be a discussion on weapon lore for our enemies, so all the lore that we have access to on the enemies, that's going to be our next chat topic. So with all that being said, let's go ahead and explore the new lore that we have about humans. Justin, you're up. All right, let's talk about humans. Ghost Fragment Human. From the diaries of Commander Jacob Hardy, pilot Ares 1. The mission is a go. Crew of three. Mikhailova, Chow, myself. Immediate departure at the next home and window to Mars. The MREs and return ships will chase us out. How do I feel? I said at the press conference that I felt privileged. Historians will read this diary, but it won't take their insight to tell the world that I'm terrified. It's a human reaction. What I wish I could convey is the exhilaration. That's the biggest thing. I'm not a spiritual man, but I've always believed there's something transcendent about space flight. Something pure. We go out there because we can, because it's who we are. Now we go because we have to, because the unknown came to us. In 14 months, we'll be face-to-face with it. And by the time we arrive, it should be active again, just like it was active on Jupiter and Mercury and Venus. I wonder what happens if it doesn't stop at Mars. 
I wonder if it'll leave us there in the sand and come to earth and do here what it's done everywhere else. I hate that we're carrying weapons. I understand the necessity, but I hold to my belief. There's something beautiful out there. It's up to us to reach it. Bum, bum, bum. I love this card. I always think about that scene from Independence Day where they send the helicopters up with like the lights and they're like, we're going to communicate with it. And then that didn't end well, but this one was slightly better. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the thing is, um, these are these are going to be the ghost fragment humans. Um, I'm going to read the human card real quick just to give us a summary of where we are currently because ghost fragment the well at least no actually all five of them are actually pre-collapse aren't they because the fifth one is right Mm -hmm. right before yet so the ghost fragments are actually re i don't want to say they're recordings but they're they're memories of before and the the human card is it's a summary of where we are currently in the game and it says human this was our world our solar system We were here first, and no matter what the darkness brings, we will be here at the dawn. Humans are survivors, tough and resilient, descended from those who built a golden age only to see it ripped away. Now, after an age of retreat and desperate struggle, they fight to take back their solar system and claim a new future. There are those who believe the Traveler chose Earth for a reason. Now, it is humanity's obligation to prove itself worthy of the Traveler's faith. So this is this is the like I said this is a summary of where we are in the game right now and then the ghost fragments human the first one which Justin just read for us is the um record well transcripts I guess is the best yeah. way to say it is from the diaries of an individual <clears throat> Jacob Hardy now Eris 1 was the project to go to Mars which is an apt name for a Mars mission, um, considering that Eris, Ares is the Jupiter, or the, not Jupiter, wow, is the Roman name for Mars, the god of war. Um, so that's, and one is obviously the numeration of the project, or the mission. So Ares one was the mission to go to Mars. Um, now the reason why we are going to Mars inside these diaries is because, as many of you who... Um, have played well. I guess even if you didn't play vanilla, there this cutscene's still there, which is an it's an amazing cutscene um, awesome. of the of the guardian or the the traveler traveling through our solar system and and then finally settling over Mars. Um, and this is really the description of the three. I don't want. I guess the three astronauts <clears throat> that are in that cutscene. That's these three people. So Mihalova, Cow or Cow and um Jacob Hardy. Um and it's also interesting for or it's just it's good to note here that that again is the the crew of 3. We have fire teams of 3. And they also come from Russia from I'm assuming that's China and then America, which are the three predominant um cultures i was trying i was gonna say races but that's not at all accurate really yeah i don't want to get in trouble for that the three cultures which are very prevalent in the human aspect of the story 
Um, the other thing that really, really, um, really, really is telling or is like something that I really grasp onto for the human story, the human aspect of the story is the other reason why I absolutely love destiny as a, as a game is that even though it's a dystopian future, like everything's gone to hell in a handbasket, there's this, there's a, there's a, a giant spark of hope and you will, we'll talk about this throughout the next, especially the next couple ghost fragments. Hope is extremely important and is extremely prevalent in all the aspects of the ghost fragment humans. Um, actually in pretty much all the human esque stories, there's a, there's a degree of hope, a degree of chasing after something better and to better themselves and to try to prove that that hope is still there and that it's worth fighting for. And I think that's really, really cool because a lot of, a lot of, video games that are set in this type of world the division um don't have that Ugh. hope and that and, and honestly that's why personally i don't play them is because it's just not fun like it's not for me it's not so this is a huge component of why i gravitate towards destiny as a video game through through these next couple ghost fragments and justin did you i know you wanted to talk about um, the astronomical, or is that was yeah, that the next yeah. one, or was the good that old, this one? The good old, uh, well, no, it 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 was in this one. Okay, they talk about departing at the at the next Homan window, um, which is actually uh, an astronomical navigational term, which is pretty much when you go from a small um, circular orbit, like a normal orbit, but you want to reach. You want to reach a larger circular orbit. So you're going from orbit to orbit in the same plane. Um, you need a course change to achieve this. And what you'll actually do is you'll you'll knock yourself into an elliptical orbit with a long dimension um, that will actually reach and intersect the path of the larger orbit that you wish to achieve. So you need pretty much two two periods of thrust, one to exit the orbit you're in and then another to merge with the orbit you're trying to reach. So when they talk about departing at the next home and window, that's the window is actually the the period of time in which you're you are thrusting into the the elliptical orbit. And I hope if anyone's an astronaut that I got that right. Um, if we have an astronaut listening <laughs> First of all, why haven't you been on the show yet? Second of all, <laughs> slow clap. Any astronauts? Open call. Um, so <laughs> I, I thought that was a cool. I, I love it when they throw a little little actual science tidbit in there. I actually love it. Um, but I wanted to talk, and Blue, you can probably speak to this. Um, the kind of the irony, um, because this was not, they did not send soldiers to mars yeah oh yeah they they may have sent them with guns which much to this the dismay of jacob hardy um but these are not soldiers these are astronauts and one might even say scientists so i thought it was very ironic that the that the the mission was called aries one because it correct me if i'm wrong isn't aries usually um 
typified by war and violence. Well, yeah. I mean, Ares, Ares is the Greek name for the god of war. Mm-hmm. Or no, sorry. God, I am going to completely get that. Yeah, Ares is Greek. Man, I am off of my mythology. Don't mess it up like last time. Yeah, like get last right. time. Ares is, uh, <laughs> Ares is Greek. Mars is Roman. Uh, both for the same... But... Same god, I mean, yeah, which is the god of war. But, I mean, that's also... <sighs> I don't I don't put a lot of weight on the name of the god that they named the project after because of where they're headed, their destination. Right? I mean, if you're headed uh, to that's true. Right. I yeah, mean, if you're headed true. to Venus, I wouldn't be surprised if they named it Aphrodite. Or if you're headed to Jupiter, you know, Zeus. You know, there's there's it there there's a there's a yeah. there's a point at which i i see a very clear connection between the two um and i think the fact is the calling out of that they're carrying weapons is not not so much i think it's because it's first contact you know i mean you mm-hmm. don't they don't know what they're going to walk into and yeah but yeah, go for it. No, I was just gonna say if this if this giant orb like thing chooses to be hostile, what's a Kavostov gonna do? Well, and I I kind of have a personal theory about that. I I kind of see these these three as scientists and being like, oh yeah, yeah, we'll take we'll take weapons, sure, and then like packing the smallest weapon that they could get away with, and being like, yeah. yep, yep, because you know they're like, yeah, we we totally have weapons. Do you Am have I the weapon? only one who gets kind of? Yeah, I get kind of a Stargate vibe from. This oh yeah. Whole, oh yeah. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> this I, whole thing. I totally. But I totally. I and this is just. This is completely just my personal theory. But like, I completely think that. I mean, because like Hardy's distaste of the weapons is so evident, and even like he makes comments even later down in other the ghost fragments later. And like he just like he doesn't want the weapons there. Like you could just t- you can just feel his like I don't I don't want it. Um, but like it's just you know they they have to. It's standard. It's probably it's probably a standard operating procedure that has been you know written into if you're going into a territory there. And it's just you know. But yeah, I I totally personally think that they're like yeah we'll take weapons sure. I mean I I think if they could take a a pistol they probably would have done that instead but mm-hmm. but yeah so so the other the other fun thing that i think justin and i <clears throat> justin and i have at least talked about a lot is the travel time that gets kind oh, yeah. of slightly confirmed here now we know that this is not at near light speed so this is conventional speed and it would take us 14 months to be to Mars. So we we've had this yeah, conversation because a yeah, because Mars is 225 million kilometers from Earth. Which oh god, that my head hurts already. <laughs> um so that's not quite two astronomical units. Um Two astronomical units would be just under 300 um, million kilometers. 
Um, so that's a long, that's, I, I think sometimes just because of the director and destiny, mm-hmm. we lose track of how <laughs> far apart these freaking planets are. But yes, yes. Um, the end, uh, I'm just real quick trying to remember. Well, um, and the other, the other thing is that we have near light speed also. Mm-hmm. And so that that technology you know the interplanet interplanetary travel we had jump ships um you know we had uh spacesuits obviously uh they okay. had the siva technology all that stuff that they developed during the golden age that we have somewhat reclaimed in the game obviously cuts down the travel time so this is this is normal travel time before all that was created. yeah there and and it's worth it's worth stating here they're not anywhere near light speed at oh, that yeah. speed to get yeah. to Mars because um, at the speed of light you would you would travel 173 astronomical units per day <laughs> which an astronomical unit is oh lord 149.6 million kilometers and you would you would literally travel 173 of those a day if you were traveling at light speed. So just let that let that kind of soak into your cranial cavity and just <laughs> kind of marinate until it makes a good bisque. And then <laughs> and then you'll be closer to knowing how quick this we're talking about here. Yeah, so um so Earth to Mars is 225 million kilometers, um, which is under two astronomical units, and it took us 14 months to get there. So that's like, I think that's, I think we can pretty much say that that's not very far off, not very far off the kind of space travel we have today, present day. Mm -hmm. Well, and even within, even within the, the video, the, the astronaut suits that they have, the weapons that they have, it's, it's pretty close to current day tech. Yes. Right. Yes, yes. But that's that's my nerd out. Uh, I think I'm I think I'm good. There. <laughs> think you're done done for the rest of the. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You take it over, Blue. I'm just All right. Sit here and... Well, let's let's jump into Ghost Fragment Human Two. So again, this is this is from the diaries of Commander Jacob Hardy, pilot, Eris One. It says everybody ask about the words. The truth is, I'm not much of a poet. Eris One didn't leave us with bandwidth for anything except for blunt competence. We came in perilously hot, trying to select a landing site through the chaos of thickening atmosphere and turbulence that bloomed off the target. A 20-minute round-trip lightspeed delay to Earth meant we could only count on ourselves. When the number three engine went diagnostic during the second course correction, I thought we might go catastrophic. But Cal brought us in. Mihalova brought us in. I just flew the ship. The Eris-1 excursion vehicle was built for thin winds and icy dust. We came down into a storm, the breath of God, a ripple of change rolling down off the artifact. We aborted on three sites, and finally I took us into a powered hover and brought us down on reflexes and instinct. Then we ran the checklist, suited up, and left the vehicle. There was a script, and it's true. I botched it. I got my boots down, and I made the most famous gaffe in human history. Said the first thing that came to mind, a warning to the others. We're walking into a rising wind. I didn't mean to say anything immortal. I just thought it'd be useful to know. Hmm. 
love that. Huh. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, there's no script at that point. You just throw it away. Well, yeah. And I mean, yeah, it, it, it's just it's so funny because there's a lot of parallels that you can you can talk about, especially, you know, with our knowledge of the traveler. And I don't know, there was a race that kind of got screwed over by a rising wind. They called it a whirlwind. Um, and so it, it's kind of interesting to see there that that kind of nod. I, I don't know. You know, obviously, I could be reading way into that. Um, but I also like how he he's like, yeah, yeah. I was just trying to warn people. <laughs> like, he's like, I totally see him being like, no, there's there's a wind coming. Like, there's a sandstorm. Oops. Like, so. Yeah, like literally. Yeah, no, yeah, because I mean, and they say that he says that. I mean, they they had to abort on three different sites, yeah. and then finally he he found like basically. So they they landed in the middle of a storm, um, and this is because you know this giant orb is hovering over the planet, which you know I'm assuming means that there's a lot of disruption there, and yeah, it's it's Mars, it's red dirt. Like that's what happens when you throw a lot of wind on top of dirt. It creates a <laughs> sandstorm. So, yep. I, I mean, yeah. And especially, I mean, he's talking about how like the vehicle was built for really thin winds and just icy dust, not, not the storm. You know, when you talk about the breath yeah. of God and a ripple of change, yeah, that's not a, that's not thin winds. So, I'm trying to yeah. think of anything yeah. else. I think this might also explain why in the in the little short intro video we don't really see them in a vehicle. Like we see them walking. It might just because they left the vehicle or it could be, you know, there is there is the possibility they were in the vehicle and we didn't really see them, but you know, <clears throat> that might be well, uh think No, go oh, for it. No, go ahead. I was just going to say I was just going to Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh so so we we design these rovers for the different planets like the Mars rover and mm-hmm. all that based on the top, the topography that we know right but what if they got there and everything was all different and you know I mean it was just yeah. like this well, thing's and, useless and it kind of I mean yeah well we'll we'll talk about it and I think it's the one of the next fragments we'll talk about exactly that happening <laughs> Uh, so let's talk about human three, human three from the diaries of commander, Jacob Hardy pilot, Aries one, the hike from Aries one. You've watched it. Everything was recorded. I think you can get it in full immersion now to fly around like a hummingbird. I'll add what I can. The route was planned. We all went together. The CEV and Ares 1 itself, had enough automation to go home alone in the event of a crew loss. Whatever we'd find at the artifact, it needed the human element. We carried rifles. They made us heavier and slower and probably less safe. I think the argument about the rifles can be left for another time. What's important is it turned out well. Look at me. Look at us. You're talking to a 90-year-old man. A 90-year-old who's never been sharper. 
I'm miles ahead of every cognitive benchmark. What's happened to me is good. What's happened to all of us is good. When we crested that rise and made the visual contact with the artifact, I don't think any one of us dared dream that it would end this well. We went to Mars at the cutting edge of human civilization, and it wasn't our weapons that won the day. It was our ship, our training, our camaraderie, our belief that if we just reached out to the universe, not to grasp for profit or security, but with an open hand, we would be elevated. We were right. That makes me so happy to this day. Oh my gosh, I love this card. <clears throat> um, I would be completely and utterly remiss if I did not point out the parallels that are made in this card to a couple different things. Um, the first one is, okay, so we're going to focus, or I'm going to focus real quick on the second to last paragraph in this card. And that's the one that it says, it was our ship, our training, our camaraderie. And the important part here is the last line. He says, our belief that if we just reached out to the universe, not to grasp for profit or security, but with an open hand, we would be elevated. Now, we know of two, well, one person and one race that this can be applied to. The person's going to be a really quick one. It's Clovis Bray. Um, Clovis Bray is obsessed with profit obsessed with immortality but mostly well actually he's mostly obsessed with he the clovis bray the the father figure of the clovis bray family is obsessed with immortality clovis bray as a company is obsessed with profit they're always looking for something for profit so i cannot read this and not see this as something of hardy being kind of like a a a poke in the eye to bray the second thing that this is a parallel to is the the krill the hive. Because if you remember when the krill in the books of sorrow meet the worm gods. Now, the other thing to remember here is the worm gods are followers and not really avatars that we know of, but basically disciples of the deep and the traveler, the artifact in this in this story right now is the avatar of the sky. So there's there's dynam- there's there's a uh, there's a dynamic difference there too, but the krill sought the worm gods and they sought the power that the worm gods offered to help them become more secure, to, to create a sense of power that they could cause or they could pursue their revenge. That was the entire purpose of the Faustian bargain that is, that was made with the worms. This is a, this is a completely different bargain being made here if if you can even call it a bargain it was it was them opening up and reaching out with an open hand i mean that's the entire thing for this and this jake for jacob hardy's point here he says that he says they carried rifles and they they did not make them safer they and and he even is like i don't even i don't even really want to talk about the argument because it's not important what's important is that the fact that their camaraderie and their belief that if they just reached out with an open hand, not with a blade, not with a gun, but an open hand as an, an equal companion, they would be elevated. And they were, they were brought into the golden age. They were, you know, they were getting that. Whereas with the hive, they reached out with a blade. 
they they demanded that they prove their right to existence by cutting away anybody who got in their way. So I I just I can't help but see the parallel between humanity and the krill within this card. And I really I really like the way that Hardy presents that parallel. Um I, I really think that this is well done as far as that. So I'm gonna let Justin, I don't know if you have anything else you wanted to just throw in for human three. Um, yeah, just, I, I just wanted to, uh, um, kind of add that, uh, they, they mentioned the CEV. Um, Oh yeah. And that it, and that it can pilot itself back all on its own. And this, a CEV is actually a, a actual, um, thing at the moment and that's a crew exploration vehicle so that is the that's the smaller shuttle or craft that the uh crew gets into to shoot down to the planet and it's usually got the rover attached to it and um that's that's an actual thing it's not just something made up because, I always, you know, I always never... thought it was coherent exp- exp- I can't even I'm looking on Wikipedia uh, <laughs> I'm trying to find there's a lot of different definitions for CEV by the way oh yeah Central European Volleyball <laughs> I saw <team>. that one <laughs> I got that one <laughs> yeah so um, but actually it is an astronomical exploration no no we sent a volleyball team to Mars yes we sent a a Central European Volleyball team so it was a bunch of Russian vol- have you seen Zarya from Overwatch <laughs> bunch of them playing volleyball no uh yeah so other than that um i i do like that he says um you are talking to a 90 year old man a 90 year old man who's never been sharper so we can tell this is this is an interview that happened much later Mm -hmm. i would imagine because i don't think they're sending an 80 year old man into space or even a 70 year old man i imagine he was in his 30s or 40s when he went i tried to think what so. wasn't there a movie that they did exactly that yeah with clint eastwood yeah i was about to say uh, what was that movie it was a while back wasn't uh, it? i can't tommy lee jones was in it and john malkovich i can tell you everyone who was in it but not the <laughs> name um, i was like as soon as you said that i was like but they did oh wait they didn't no they didn't either um they sent a middle-aged monkey um, so anyways that's all i have that's all i have yeah so all right um yeah like i said the big the big thing for this particular card for me at least is the parallel that it makes between again the traveler and the worm gods for the the species that they elevate not necessarily for them but that entire interaction there um that and also apparently we have full immersion in the future and you can fly around like a hummingbird that sounds amazing oh yeah it's like it's like spectator mode from halo Mm-hmm. that's really cool i can i can just like that would just be an awesome feature for hey you want to learn the history of this this event go go study it it's, in full immersion that's got like a very Assassin's Creed type feel. To yeah, it, it? yeah, yeah. We're not going to go down. See, there. I know things. You, you I know, know things. Yeah. 
So Ghost Fragment Human 4. This is this is actually going to be the last fragment that we get that has been specifically called out as from the diaries of Commander Jacob Hardy. So this is the last one that we get from Jacob. Three human beings stood on a high ridge and saw the shape of the future. Saw rain strike a millennia-old desert. Felt the air sweeten with oxygen and warm water and the beginnings of life. I am sometimes asked if I felt something die. The end of, era, end of the era of human self-sufficiency. I don't know how to answer that question. I do know that I was changed. No one, nobody could experience that kind of wonder and remain unchanged. The decades since have proven that to me. I knew I'd never fly another mission like that. I recognized the need for a new love. That's why I threw my fresh cognitive skills into understanding the Traveler. How can one entity so quickly and utterly remake an entire world? Fifty years later, I'm conversant in high mathematics, particularly topological thoughts and the slippery irreality of light. I'm involved in a project to study the Traveler's terraforming actions right now. But I still enjoy the interviews. I like going back to that mission. It makes me unspeakably happy to see how well it all turned out. And it makes me happy to remember I was there. So, again, excuse me, again, hope and the desire to better, um, you know, and, you know, Justin, you were saying this interview was taking place, well, not necessarily, but the, the diary entries seem to be taking place afterwards. So he would have been, if he was 90 at the time, if this was written at the same time as the other ghost fragment, he would have been about 40 at the time of the traveler coming. Yeah. So. It's yeah. crazy. It's and, crazy. and so, um, so he, he's, he's, he is conversant in high mathematics with an emphasis on topological thoughts and the slippery irreality of light. That's a heck of a major. Yeah, that that would that would be a few years of of study, I imagine. I mean, at a very special type of school. At a yeah. So just just for those of us who need Wikipedia for everything. Topology is actually um, a form of mathematics that is concerned with properties of space that are preserved under continuous deformations, such as stretching and bending, but not tearing or gluing. So it's basically the distortions of space, like light speed, like punching, like, well, not necessarily punching, but... um, it's it's all about the deformation twisting and stretching of objects, but tearing is not allowed in topology. Um, um that's like to a me. topological map. Yes. It, yes. it a topological map shows the you know, all the different elevations and mm-hmm. the the kind of the you know the the lay of the land as it right, were. Right, 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 right. So, and then obviously, irreality is not reality. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's very slippery. And apparently, it is very, very slippery, um, which is not a surprise given that it's got to do with the light. 
Um, the full definition of irreality is the state of being insubstantial or imaginary, not existing objectively mm-hmm. or in fact, unreality. Completely a causal. <laughs> yeah. So basically, paracausality is what he is conversant in. And I, uh, no, I was just going to throw in, he talks about how he felt the air sweeten with oxygen and warm water and the beginnings of light. Mars's atmosphere right now is like 96% carbon dioxide. So essentially to us, it's poison. Um, it's got a couple of trace elements of argon and nitrogen and some free carbon monoxide, water, and methane. Um, but uh, mostly carbon dioxide. So poisonous atmosphere turns to sweet, sweet oxygen. Yeah. And um, that was this is the part that I was mentioning earlier when we were talking about the rovers being designed specifically for web or for uh, planets. It's like, yeah, yeah, we're, we're going to a desert. Oh, this has a jungle. Like that, that's kind of the, uh, <laughs> the, the change that yeah. you're looking at. I mean, just, I mean, just think, just think about, and you kind of see this in the intro video too, at the very, I think it's at the very end when they're standing on the ridge and the rain starts falling. But I mean, just, just for a moment, picture that. I mean, try to, try to imagine that you're standing in a place that has not for a millennia seen water fall from the sky. And all of a sudden, you know, a thunderstorm rolls through. I mean, just mm-hmm. the the imagination. I mean, you you can't. I don't. I don't think you can. People can even fathom this. But you can literally feel that air, you know, sweetening. I mean, just the description here is just amazing to me. Um, mm-hmm. I just I I I love the ghost fragment human cards. Um, you know, it's it just, to me, this really income again, like I, like I was saying earlier, this encompasses really the reason why I think as a game and as a story, this, this, this title, I guess does so well is because they have, they have merged that sense of dystopian hopelessness because that's usually what is assumed, like, I mean, Fallout, uh, The Division, um, all these games, Bioshock, um, all these games kind of have that hopeless feel. But only only a few actually merge that that sense with a degree of undying hope. And I think Destiny knocks it out of the park. And this is part of the explanation why. This is kind of the, the philosophy that I think is underlying in a lot of the game. And this is why I really enjoy it. So... Um, we do actually have one more ghost fragment human. Um, now, now this is, this is an, this is a source of debate for a lot of people. This card was added in the taking King. Um, and this, the speaker is never identified. So keep that in mind. Oh, come on. Be a little no, bit fun. No, no. We'll talk about it as soon as you get done reading it. Okay. Okay. Ghost Fragment 5, hope, hope, and standing with strangers. That's what I remember. Hope churning beneath my skin, assuring me there was a place besides this place, a realm that would nurture us, not kill us. 
The earth was ruin, chaos and madness and death. We were standing on the earth where I am now, but why am I still here? It was my turn to leave. I remember I was waiting with others like me and the ships would soon take us away. But to where? Where was this hope? I must have known there had to be a name, coordinates, except all of that is forgotten. Other than my absolute conviction and salvation, nothing remains. The Traveler. I remember that now. Which was? What? I don't know. Something has stolen my words. The imagery. But I still remember what it promised us. The universe. Yes. Creation held in our hands. But I was here for a reason. And what would I surrender just for the faint chance to remember what the good reason was? Oh, I absolutely love this card. Um, okay. <laughs> so this also is, okay, so obviously hope is extremely important. Uh, like I've been, I feel like I'm a slightly broken record on that one. But, uh, the, uh, the other thing is this, this card, a lot of people argue who is speaking in this card. Um, Mm -hmm. a number of people hold that it is Hardy. Mm -hmm. Um, not that long a leap. No, not, not really. Uh, which, and then a number of people also kind of connect this and I've, I've heard this connection, um, a number of people connect this actually to Rezl. Now, obviously, this is this would be Rezl before he died and was raised, but because of the fascination with hope that's in this card, um, there's a there's a there's a couple people who connect that there, which would be which isn't to say that it's not Hardy. So it it gets kind of it gets kind of weird. I don't I don't really have I've not really heard anyone else be named. Um I can't even think of anyone else that if I had to guess who this would be. I don't know who else it would be. So make a commitment, Blue. I'm not gonna make a commitment. Oh I'm, come I'm on. Theory, I'm theory crafting here. Your theory crafting. That's just a fancy way of saying you don't know. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Welcome to Destiny. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm wonderful. <laughs> no, I mean, like, I completely I completely see the logic for both those arguments and actually even for the third argument that says that Hardy could be Rezl. Um, I, I do see that, except Hardy always seems more of a warlock than a titan. But, you know, uh, whatever. Definitely. Well... He's he got definitely, the attitude. Towards the end, becomes way more of an intellectual. Right. Although Rezel was quite the pensive, that's the true. Pensive figure, that's true. Um, you you can't say that he was a you know like a lummox, just fist of panicking everywhere. Like he he definitely had a thoughtful side to him. Right. Um, right. I I kind of maintain that this this is the speaker before. He knew he was the speaker. He mm-hmm. and you can you can uh you know, speculate on who that is, but really 
it doesn't matter who it is. Right. No. And that's, that's the other thing is like, this is to, to me, you know, again, I've been saying the ghost fragment human cards really kind of define the, the major theme of destiny. Um, and this right here is like the cherry on top because the entire theme of this card, the, the name of this card is hope. And that's what it is. That's hope. And so, and I mean, I, I love, I love the ending because it's like, it's, it, it's like, it's our guardian, but I mean, it, it's really not because this is before the collapse. So unless you're an exo or a human, it really couldn't be because the awoken didn't exist. But you know, that, that whole thing of just like how we just for, just for a faint chance to remember what that reason was, um, I just, I love that because that's kind of how the, that's how we're introduced to the game was you don't know, you have no memory. You only know that you were ray you were risen and there was a strange floating thing. You know, some of us, some of us remember the days of the Dinklebot. Others, <laughs> others swear allegiance to no land droid. Um, you know, whatever, but that's all you knew as a newfound guardian. That's all. And so the whole, the whole concept of like that, that just in like just the, that it's just out of reach, just out of reach. And one day you hope that you would remember it, you know, just the faint chance to remember what that reason was that you stood at this colony ship and you hope for something. And you know, like the way they talk about it, like it's churning beneath your skin, you know, it, it's just, the descriptions in the, these ghost fragment cards are so visceral and it's so well written. These are seriously some of my favorite, say favorite grimoire cards. Um, and it's just, I, yeah, I, I really am running out of words because I, I cannot put into words how much I just absolutely adore the writing style that these ghost fragment cards have because they encompass everything that is so important about not just not just a way of viewing the world but also about what makes a video game really fun to play because that's what you know just to just a step step out of lore real quick you play video games to escape reality there's a degree to which you you want to you want to suspend your belief that's the entire point of playing a video game like you you know, for me, that's why I don't really enjoy playing gritty reality video games is because I don't need, I don't need more of that. I want, I want something that is unnatural, that is supernatural. And this right here is part of that. Like the the whole thing of like, Hey, you're facing the extinction of everything that you know. And yet in the face of that, you're hoping you're hopeful. Um, what it what it really reminds me of it's there's a there's a quote from uh Hemingway and it it comes from the old man of the sea and he says man is not made for defeat a man can be destroyed but not defeated and basically what that what that means is you can kill someone you can kill a man or a woman you can kill a person but humankind, humankind has a tenacity 
and a just stubborn refusal to back down. I mean, remember, remember the intro, the human card. This was our world. We were here first. And no matter what the darkness brings, we will be here at the dawn. That encompasses really, for me, the the beauty of this story is because that is what is woven through every single card that we're going to talk about, you know, that we have talked about for the past year and that we will talk about is this this thread of just refusal to back down. And, you know, it's just that's what makes me such a big fan of the human storyline. And not not to say that the Awoken and the Exo, the Exos are fascinating. The Awoken are amazing. But the humans, you know, they're just the 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 vanilla humans or whatever you want to call them. They're survivors. They're, they are like they're the people who just keep getting punched and kicked and pushed around and they just keep coming back for more. And they just keep coming back. And they're just, it's a war of attrition. And so, I mean, that's, again, that is why I absolutely love the Grimoire cards about the humans is because of that, just that just refusal to just give up. Um, you got anything for... No, it's, uh, the whole time you're talking, all I hear is Shin Malfour, Shin Malfour, <laughs> Shin, Malfour Shin Malfour. Just... Like literally take everything from me, burn my city to the ground, kill all my fathers, um, and uh, just gonna go and gun you to the dome two times. Um, so yeah, no, that's that's definitely, and you know it's it's a very important thing that with without hope, there can be no real fear. There can be if if you are hopeless, you fear nothing. You know what I mean, right? If you are hopeless, and it's not a good no fearlessness. Ten- yes, it's exactly without hope. There's no tension. There's mm-hmm. no fear. There's no struggle. There's abject surrender. And I think the the element of of hope and the uplifting elements of the traveler and and kind of the God, I can hear the horns right now. Just da da da. I mean, just like <laughs> yeah, just that feeling makes the moments in the game when you're faced by the darkness. You know, um, by well, not literally the darkness, but when you're faced by these elements of the darkness that threaten the city's peace, it makes them more tense. You know, you feel it when Omnigul screams, not right. because you fear for yourself because you've died a thousand times by now, but you fear for, you know, not mankind, I guess, but for, uh, you know, the city. Right. Well, and And that's, that's the genius part of this. It's really hard to make us care when there isn't a protagonist. Right. Because let's face it. This story has no protagonist. You can say you're the protagonist all you want, but you play this thing like we cared about what happened in Halo because of the Master Chief. Like we cared what happened to him at Cortana. There's not that in this game, but they do such a good of painting and broad such a good job of painting in broad strokes with just this feeling of the collective um, that I think 
is typified by the humans and the Ares one mission. Mm-hmm. And uh, in chat, Beefang one two three makes really makes the good point. There are no passive guardians, good or bad. There are no passive guardians. The guardians don't give up. Like I mean, that's the thing is like even within um, the Lords of Iron cards, you know, you you get this just. They're talking uh, the the part that springs to mind is when they're fighting off. Um, is it Reese? I think with Rince uh, Rince and the iron when yeah. he insults them and there's the the three and they just like they keep getting killed and the other two just cover and I mean they just it's it's attrition it's a war of attrition you know and that's the thing is like this is this is that's the human that's human nature. That's the human nature is, oh, you tell me I can't do something? Watch. Mm. You know, and that's that stubbornness to just back down when you're told that you can't do something. If you tell if you tell someone that it's impossible, generally there's a spark in them that immediately flares up and it's like, oh really? You don't you don't believe that? Or you don't believe that I can do it? Watch me. And that's that's kind of the the grain, the kernel that seems to be the the basis of not just humans, but the guardians as well is, you know, regardless of what path they take, whether it's whether it's a good path or a bad path, they're going to prove that they can walk the path. Um, And, you know, in in that vein, you know, talking about where humanity went. So we've we've talked about the the pre-golden age, right? <clears throat> We've talked about somewhat of post-golden age with the the sum the summary card of human. But let's let's talk a little bit about the golden age um and what humanity happened or what happened to humanity during the golden age. And so to introduce you Justin, you good with that? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So to introduce Solid. that, to introduce that, we'll read the card, the golden age. It says, the Traveler changed everything. It reshaped our solar system as decisively as it, had, as it shattered our scientific and philosophical frameworks. To our ancestors, it must have been a hammer blow, a glimpse beyond the horizon of expected possibility and into a realm of transcendent power. The travel, Traveler kindled the Golden Age, but we built it. We remember this with pride, even after so much else has been lost. We settled our solar system and filled it with our work. Today, cryptarchs and scholars work to distill the legends of the Golden Age into truth. We know the humans lived longer, flew further, and knew more. We know that countless ancient diseases and hatreds were extinguished forever. Human aspiration gives birth to vast engineering projects, sweeping social movements, and even new forms of life. The Golden Age was not without challenges. Sources speak of an internal strife, philosophical rifts, particularly around questions of machine intelligence and mind-forking, and enduring scientific enigmas. But humanity and its machine children tackled these problems with pride, vigor, and a contagious sense of pluralist compassion. So, there's a reason it's called the Golden Age. Even in light of the challenges, uh, you know, especially the mind forking challenge, which I know Justin, <laughs> I know I, get, I can hear Justin's ears perk up 
the mind forking. Um, you know, even even all these these internal strifes, these philosophical rifts, um, the enigmas that they just couldn't get, they couldn't figure out. You know, even all this, they they came together. That was that's what you know. That's what pluralist is is a coming together. And there's this compassion, and there's pride in what you do, and vigor in how you approach it. Um, and and I think that it is kind of a nice little nod here too. Because it says humanity and its machine children. So this is the other point. Humans kind of are the root for the other playable races in Destiny. If you didn't know that, I'm sorry to spoil it for you. But humans created Exos. Uh, We learned that through Cade and his journal. And humans, well, humans didn't create awoken humans became awoken uh Mm -hmm. during the collapse so both the awoken and the exos actually are they're not descended from humans but they're kind of uh they're resultant yes okay so they're they're philosophical descendants of humans so yeah they yeah they owe their existence to humanity in a way yeah Don't tell an awoken I said that because I might get killed. But um, not in a way, actually. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Libby, Libby and they're derived from humanity. There Um, you go. That's a good way. So, yeah, but I think I think it's also kind of interesting, too, because in the Golden Age card, there's a there's a couple points that I do want to point out. First off, like I said, it, it calls out the fact that it wasn't just humanity. It was humanity and its machine children that tackled the problems. So, mm-hmm. you know, these um philosophical rifts around the question of machine intelligence. Oh man, you could have an entire podcast on that philosophical issue. You could probably mm-hmm. have an entire series off that. That'd be amazing. Uh, um should do that. Skynet anyone? Like, you know, it's just yeah, there's so many different arguments for AI uh that it just yeah. Um, mind forking obviously is a nod to the Ishtar Academy and the entire issue that that happened. Um, the other, the other kind of point that I, I really, I personally focus on is this idea that is the traveler didn't create the golden age, the traveler. So what this reminds me of is the old the old adage of don't teach a man, don't give a man a fish teach a man to fish. Um, what the traveler did was it taught us how to fish, and then we built on that knowledge and created the golden age. So the traveler provided a spark, but we were the ones that encouraged and allowed that spark to grow into the bonfire that was yeah. the golden age. I actually like to think of the traveler creates nothing. Have you ever seen anything poop out of that hole that <laughs> shoots down there to the No, the traveler creates nothing. It facilitates. Uh yeah. It's a facilitator. It's the grand facilitator. It's poopless. <laughs> it well, yeah, it does not poop. There's no poop. <laughs> I love that that is the basis of your argument. And literally, it doesn't I could poop. have said the most I could have said the most intelligent thing in the history of speech and what everyone's going to walk away with is it doesn't poop. 
Lucky for everyone else, I didn't say the most intelligent thing in the history of speech, and they just missed out on something mildly intelligent. Um, I mean, it did. It, yeah, Limpy, Limpy makes the point. It did create the ghost. Yeah, this is a little bit of pooping going on. <laughs> so you can you can chalk that one up. Uh, gosh. Oh, man. Where have we gone? Where have we gone? Um, we were talking about the Traveler and how it needs a squatty potty. Yes, yes. Uh, so <laughs> while we're on the topic of the Traveler. Yeah, let's talk the actual Grimoire card for the Traveler. <laughs> Uh, so everything changed with the coming of the traveler. It gave us gifts that transformed the solar system and the nature of human life. It ushered in the golden age, a time of miracles, but it never shared its deepest secrets. Where did the traveler come from? Why did it offer us so much? Did it know that it was being hunted across the stars? And why, when the darkness came, did it choose to stay and fight for us? Now the traveler hangs silent above humanity's final sanctuary. It may be healing. It may be dying. It gave everything it had to save us. And now its power lies with us, guardians. Dun, dun, dun. So again, and again on this one, um, it didn't create the golden age. (laughs) It no. ushered in it, it, it facilitated, it facilitated. It. So, yeah. uh, that, I mean, that's really, that was my point of yeah. pulling that. Do card you know what in. the traveler's like? No, yeah. Man, what the traveler's go. like is so you, you, uh, you make a wonderful dinner. <laughs> the traveler is like the lady in Walmart who helped you find the cornmeal to make the amazing cornbread. In your wonderful dinner. So like she didn't make the cornbread, but without her, you might still be at Walmart just bumping into, you know, people. So that's what the traveler's like. Is that I think I think we put a fork in this one. I think that's it. We've done it. Right? No? That may or may not have happened to me this week. So that's has anyone ever tried to find cornmeal? Never mind. Never. That's that's for post show. Anyways, so <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah. So there's real quick while Blue gets together. Oh my yeah. god. Um, the city. <laughs> um. Yeah. So. Uh, the city is where most of us humans reside. <laughs> um, from across the ruined earth, they came seeking shelter from the storm. Every wayward soul, unlucky enough to be born outside the city's protecting arms, whispers its truth across the wastes. Metropolis, risen from the ashes of the collapse, sheltered by the traveler. It is a promise and a dream, the only refuge from the darkness. The city is a thriving walled ecumen. What? Oh, God. Rich with the languages and traditions of every surviving human and neo-human culture. The city's population faces real challenges. Inequality, fear, scarcity, 
and the specter of internal strife. But the great traditions of the Golden Age live on, and many classes of suffering and injustice have been eradicated forever. Okay, real quick. Nice. Real quick. Something that, you know, as many of you know, we're getting a new event in four days. The Donning. The Donning, right? That's and the I think trademark sound of the dawning. You have oh, to do okay. that every that's, time you say it. That, okay, got it. I'll, well, I'll just let you since you have it down. Okay. Okay. Oh, you're good. Um, so the way that it's been described is basically what you just talked about: the languages and traditions of every surviving human and neo-human culture. So that's that's to me that that's kind of cool. Is that they did a little bit of a nod back to this card with that. I mean. I'm sure that they were going to figure out a way to work it in anyways, simply because, you know, Hey, we need more content, but I like how they, I like how they're, they're explaining it from within the lore and they kind of are explaining it and you get, hopefully we'll get some more information about what's going on with the, the city. Yeah. And her chain's mm-hmm. kind of just nodding also with festival of the lost, you know, there is a, there's a tradition <laughs> for human culture around the end of how, of, Halloween around the, I was trying to be cute and I just said it Uh, around the end of October. We, you know, human general human culture has a tradition of passing out a lot of sugar to little people. Mm -hmm. I hate all of you who do that because my three-year-old doesn't, yeah, my three-year-old doesn't sleep for like a week afterwards, but he really enjoys it. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that's that's kind of thing is like we we've seen this also in the game. You know, we had yeah, we had a Valentine's Day type thing with Crimson Days. Um, we had Festival of the Lost last year. And well, this year, too, we also kind of I mean, it's just we've seen these little breadcrumbs already. And so to see it, you know, kind of take a little bit further, not to mention it's the dawning. And I have been chomping at my. Oh, my gosh. Oh. Yeah, I've been trying to figure out what the dawning was since we uh, got those little tidbits. Yeah. So, from the book, like the golden oh book with Ikora. God. Yes. So, yes. Yes. Um, so, as real quick before yeah. we move on from the city, I have a question for you, Blue. Yeah. I've got a question. So, has this bothered nobody else? When it rains in the city. Oh, God. This- I imagine. <laughs> I imagine that there's a, a little quadrant under the traveler where no one gets wet. And then of course, everyone around the, like the outer diameter of the traveler gets all the rain, but then, you know, the water beads off the traveler and goes to the center of the bottom. And there's just this one guy that lives in the wet spot. You know what I'm saying? Like, does that not bother you? Like, is there, is there a pool? <laughs> These problems that you come up with, it's a logistical thing. What are we doing with that runoff? They, I think it actually, yeah. This is the, these are the real challenges that we're dealing with. The specter of traveler runoff is, is ruining. This. There's a joke. There's a joke about it's not pooping, but it's. It's not pooping, but it might be doing something else. No, I just, I, uh. The longer I look at this picture of the traveler over the city, the longer that thought is just, I can see the water. So 
We should just move on. I just recovered um, from the cornmeal. Oh, come on. Come on. <laughs> so I'll read. I'll read a really good card yeah, to get you your mind this, off that. You love this card. This is a great one. Rezal Azir before these walls. <laughs> Rezal Azir was a man. In time, his kind would be called Titan. Mountains of muscle and might and metal. His collar was fur and teeth. His person clad in ornate gold-etched plating. Trophies upon his shoulders. This was before the city was the city. This was before the walls. Still in the shadow of the fragile giant above. But before. Salvation seekers came. Survivors. Weary remnants of of a people on the brink. These were the days before the reason took hold. Before study was merged with belief. The giant was looked to as one would a god. Maybe it is still. Factions grew from the huddled masses. Like minds coming together to provide support, comfort. Over time, these loyalties demanded loyalty. Differences that used to inform. Viewpoints that, when joined, granted a larger understanding of the whole, became points of conflict. The sanctuary became divided. The shadow of light grew darker. This, humanity's last oasis, slowly fading to a mirage. Great and powerful men and women, the risen, stood at the faction sides. Protection, enforcers, misused possibility. Misery crept into this false paradise, yet hope lingered. Seeing the cracks in the society born beneath the giant's fractured shell, some among the risen challenged the dissolution of all that could be. They would no longer serve as instruments of oppression. They would be more. Thus began an unnecessary war made necessary by greed, ambition, fear, and in the chaos of this struggle came the scavengers, aliens with appetites, a common enemy, enemy, enemy. (laughs) In the end, the scavengers were repelled and the factions fell. Their grip broken, though their beliefs remained. This was the earliest days of the Guardians, when might found purpose. Prosperity was in reach. Rezel had been champion of these wars, a leader. Against the alien pirates, he had become more. If the giant wasn't a god, then maybe Rezel was. As the first walls form, built of hard work and sacrifice, Rezel and the Guardians stood against the alien plunderers time and time again. More survivors arrived, more warriors. The Guardian ranks swelled. The city grew. Hope blossomed. To Rezel, it was currency. Hope brought tomorrow. Tomorrow brought the effort needed to survive today. Yet Rezel grew weary. Stories haunt his nights. Old stories. Those no longer told. Those locked behind the tight lips of fear of that which they may invoke. Whenever the sun dropped below the horizon and the moon rose high, Rezel's thoughts wandered. How safe was safe? How long could they fight with the darkness still writhing? So every day, Rezel would fight and build and protect. And every day, the city grew beneath the giant. And every night, he would think about all that was never said and stare intently at the moon above. Ooh. So apparently, I can say Michalova, but I can't say enemies. So there, that's a thing. 
So yeah, and I know <clears throat> this this really doesn't have a ton to do with humans specifically, but yet it it kind of does in a roundabout way. Um, because again, the concept of hope, uh, this is the concept that kind of led to the development of the city. Um, and yeah, you know, it's just, this is also kind of the introduction to the first contact with another alien race, which was not so kind as the traveler was. Um, and the, the events, you know, that we, we know came from that. And then also it kind of does point to the the other aspect of human nature that kind of is is sad in the fact that it's going to be there all the time is that that need that need for conflict almost um that need to to prove that you're you're better or different um, and I, I like I like how that is described here. He says differences that are that used to inform viewpoints that when joined granted a larger understanding of the whole became points of conflict. The sanctuary became divided, you know, and, and it, again, with the, the descriptions are really, really well done in this card. Um, but yeah, so that was that was kind of my reason for including this card um the one last card that we i did want to throw in here uh just because it does have a little bit of a nod to the golden age and human civilization during that time was the actually the grimoire card for jupiter and it says lord of worlds massive jupiter and its moons must have been a cornerstone of golden age civilization but the nature and extent of human presence there is now unknown Old records refer to cities in ice and world-spanning oceans, but perhaps this is only poetry. The city's ships have rarely attempted any Jupiter, any journey to Jupiter or beyond. <clears throat> so again, uh, we we know the the reoccurring theory of moons such as Europa and stuff like that, which have cities in ice, um, and the connection to potentially the Deep Stone Crypt. Um, is one particular theory that I'm partial to. Uh, and this is kind of a nod to that as well. And it also is a nod to the, the extent of our reach as far as civilization during the golden age for humanity. Uh, we know that, you know, technologically we had tons of advances in the golden age. We talked about that a little bit in the golden age episode, um, you know, not just AI, which is the war mines, the exos, the frames, you know, the navigation AIs, the sub mines that are that, you know, help the war mines. Um, we had weapons, uh, you know, the warsat, the orbital grid, uh, planetary defense networks that the war mines that utilized within the warsats. That was that was part of that. And all these things. I mean, you had transmat, which is an amazing capability. Um, you want to talk about slippery reality, talk about transmat. That's a fascinating, you know, the, the possibilities for that are nearly endless. Um, and, and then we, we have one that we recently rediscovered in the game is SIVA, the nanotechnology, uh, humanity, you know, created this nanotechnology that was originally designed for colonization and, you know, as Clovis Bray so greatly pointed out, it could be used for other things too. Um, 
So it, it just it goes to show that the growth potential for humanity was amazing. Um, and all it took was that little spark from the traveler for us to for it to take off. Um, and that I mean, that's really the grimoire that we have. Now, there's there's a couple of little of really cool pieces of armor that I did want to, you know, I do want to mention um, the first one that I kind of caught my eyes is a a leg armor from the Warlock, and it's called the Extropy Morph. <clears throat> the, the, the flavor text on this is, the Crucible is a metaphor for the human condition, continuous improvement. So again, a nod to that, content, that human nature. Another, another kind of cool little trivia fact about this particular piece is the word Extropy. This is actually a, a term that means the prediction that human intelligence and technology will enable life to expand in an orderly way throughout the entire universe. So, again, continuous improvement. Um, is is it tied at all to the word entropy? Like, is yeah, yeah. I th- uh, think it, is that the inv- is that the inverse? I think it's the inverse of it because entropy is pretty much death and the the yeah it's chaos the and degradation of something yeah. degradation of everything yeah well yeah so like entropy one of the one of the technical definitions of entropy is lack of order or predictability gradual decline into disorder extropy is kind of the opposite it's the prediction that human intelligence and tech will enable life to expand in an orderly way throughout the entire. So it's, so it's, yeah, ex- they're, they're synonym. Or, um, yeah. They're complete opposite opposites. Um, opposites, opposites, opposites. We can't talk to opposites. Uh, the, the next piece of armor is actually a Titan Mark and it is the Mark of the Supreme. Supreme, the Supreme. And this flavor text says Titan lore memorializes the greatest warriors of humanity's past, which is, you know, something that we we know Zavala definitely does, as we kind of talked about in detail on Zavala's episode. And even in Shaq's episode, we talked a bit about that. This is one of the one of the blue items that a lot of people look over. Um, And then the next couple or well, next few actually are actually some some of my favorite items. Uh, the first one is the Ancestral Demise. These are all going to be Warlock Bonds. So the first one is Ancestral Demise, and it says, Humanity's rich and tattered history provides fuel for libraries of debate on light, the Traveler, and all creation. So just Ooh, a, can Can I do the Endling Bond? Yeah, you could do the Endling Bond. Because, because I so want to read it in Mesa Sean, <laughs> old man, get off my lawn voice. Go for it. So this is the this Endling is, Bond. It's a quote from Arach Jalal. I'm haunted by the Endling, the last living human. Oh, yeah. That's good, old man. Yeah. <laughs> I want to. I really want to know about the Endling. That sounds like a fascinating, like concept. Sounds like a horror movie title. Yeah, I mean, it's the last man. It, it reminds me of the 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 last man of the, on the world sat down in his living room and he heard a knock at his door. You know that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, and then just, what did he say? 
You say, here we go. Here we go. Um, this this one is not really related to human lore as much as it's just like it's just an it opens up so many questions of I I just want to know and plus I'm a huge Dead Orbit fan but I'm just curious about what this story is for the Endling. Um, it just well, I, I, I think, think it's that's the right. idea. I think it's the idea of the Endling that haunts right Old Man right Jalal. right. Well, and haunts um, you know all of. It's I, I, I don't mean, think that there's there's an endling that he's seen. I think it's a nightmare. This is probably a recurring nightmare that he has that in which he actually sees the last living human. Right. Like, and I mean, oh, like we've we failed. Yeah. And so, like, I mean, endling. <clears throat> OK. Endling as just a term is is an actual term. I mean, it, it is and it, it means exactly what if what you think it means. It's the the individual that is the last of its species or subspecies. So like once the endling dies, that species is extinct. Like it's gone. Um, so, you know, there, and there's a, there's a number of uses of it. Uh, I think the, one of the really common ones is the Tasmanian tiger. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's just, but to to apply that concept to humanity is just i don't know it's fascinating in the horror that it creates within your within your mind because i mean just think about again again kind of like the whole concept of um you know just you exist and you know that you're going to die and there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, Nietzsche, Nietzsche t- talked about this, uh, F- uh, Frederick Nietzsche, who, the philosopher. Um, he, he did talk about that. But, I mean, in his, his entire presentation, and he called it the last man, um, his entire presentation was an individual who's just, like, tired of life. He takes no risk. Um, and he's he's hedonistic like he just he only looks for comfort and security because he's he's there's nothing like you know there's no whatever and so yeah i mean it's just oh my gosh it's just so interesting for me to do that so but i was going to ask you uh do so do you think that the endling is an actual like do you think he exists or well, do you I mean, think it's more the idea of the endling that that the Jalal is. Well, I mean, about? first, well, first off, I don't think he exists because, by very definition, he can't exist um, without without bending some rules. Well, as far as time goes, but yeah. Well, I mean, but I mean, by by definition, the fact that we have a bustling city underneath us defines the fact that the endling in in reality can't exist because in no, you could go, you could travel in time. Oh, to when okay. the did yeah. exist and then bring it back is what I'm saying. Oh, if you break yeah. rules, if you break rules We're of time travel. Oh my God. That breaks so many rules. We're not yeah. going to get in that conversation. Yeah. Um, I mean like, okay. So, so Nietzsche, you, he used the concept of the last man to, to kind of do a social commentary, which is what he was pretty much infamous for. Um, 
and it, it like I mean he 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 kind of talks about it. So like I guess you could you could say the endling could theoretically be a a, uh, a parable about the city because the city is the mm-hmm. last city. Um, but I don't know. Like I. I think I think it's the the concept. I think it's the fear because you know that's what Dead Orbit is so petrified mm-hmm. about is the the eradication, the extinction of humanity, um, <laughs> which is why they want to, which is why they want to leave the city. Now, they don't want to, they don't yeah. want humanity to be centralized, so that if there was a an attack, it would take more than just one attack to wipe us out. Um, yeah. Now, now I've just got this image of Jalal being really upset that the endlings on his lawn. Oh God! There are endlings on my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's actually a good point, Libby and Chat. Um, the endling could exist, but they aren't the last one yet. That's a mind blown right there. Yeah, I mean, like you could you could argue theoretically that the endling lives, but it isn't the Within. endling. Like you, you can't because well, yeah, because by definition, you you cannot be the endling if there are others of your species alive. But if you believe in the in the idea of destiny, he could be destined to be the endling. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. 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 I. I mean, I'm agreeing with you. I just I'm saying you would not be identified as it's semantics. You wouldn't be identified as the endling until you were the no until you became the endling. Right. Yeah, but the endling, the endling's plight could be his destiny. Right, right. And then he would. Okay, cool. Okay. Be, then he could go dance on Arak's yard without fail. Yeah, but uh, Arak's not human, so yeah. Arak could be alive to see the endling. Gotta check that. He's awoken, you big dummy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm not kidding about him being awoken. Either oh, that oh or he's, yeah, yeah, no, he is awoken. So he's not human, that. so he could be friends with the endling. He, he could, could be. be friendling. He could he be could friendling be friendly. the endling. He could be friendly. <laughs> and they could go oh, chop my. some kindling. Oh, he could be friendly. Done. The endling. No, you're done. You're done. You're done. Okay. <laughs> We're going to talk. We're going to talk about the last last item. We spent the, way too much time. I know. Dang endling. It's just, it's in the, the concepts have really fascinated me. Um, the, the last, the last armor piece is paradox and truth. And I really like this one, uh, because I think, it, I think it's just a really cool question. And it says the light remade us. Can I still claim to be human? Can you still say you were made by human hands? So it's, it's basically a, a guardian asking because I mean, you can't, a guardian is by nature not human because they are something beyond because they were resurrected. Um, and the ability that guardians have is it surpasses that of an, of an average human or normal human. And even then, even then you could argue that the humans that exist today are no longer homo sapiens. They're, they're, you know, homo superiors or something like that. Because remember during the, remember that during the golden age, the traveler 
bestowed its gift on all humanity. So you could argue that even at that point, they were no longer humans. They were something more. Um, now that's getting really, really granular in the argument, but I would argue that a guardian is not technically a human. It is a base, like the base race is a human or the base race is an awoken, but they are no longer that, that they are something more. So yes, that is the paradox I'm, I'm and you. truth. I'm so to answer the question yeah. in chat that I'm seeing, no, I don't think the guardians can be, I don't think our character can be the endling. Because we aren't the same species anymore, I would argue. No, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. We're still human. Still, see, I don't, that's the paradox, though. It's because I don't know if we are. (sighs) I mean, like, okay, so on, on on, on a biological level, right? On a biological mm-hmm. level, and yeah, Silver, Silver just tossed this into chat. Humans don't have paracausal capabilities. Mm-hmm. That would okay. Let me let me back up. Let me back up. That we know of in the universe presently. right now, presently speaking, normal human civilians do not have paracausal capabilities. But, but, so Homo sapiens, right? Um. It comes from Latin homo, mean, meaning human being. Right. And sapiens, meaning wise, sensible, or judicious. Right. So we're talking about being a homo sapien. We're talking about being in a taxonomic species within a family, the hominindae, however you say it. Yeah. Which is human family. There are subjects within the human family that exhibit, exhibit, um, abilities traits um distinguishing marks and other you know subtle mutations that distinguish them from the rest of the family such as being double jointed um you know i'm trying to think of being extremely fast you know not superpowers but you get where i'm going with this it doesn't change it doesn't change their family they're still the same species, genus, all that good stuff. It doesn't change their family. They're just extremely gifted Homo sapiens. Now, if we're talking about a class shift in the, well, you know, in kind of the the order of the genus and species here, then I think that's a different thing. But they they go through a lot of trouble to identify the race as still being human when you create your guardian. No. And, and yeah, I mean, like, I guess I'm, I'm right. I guess just on a biological level, I, I really, really view a human guardian as significantly different than a human. Yes. Yes. I agree with you 100% in terms of because like on a physical attributes, right. what well, they can and, do. And on a philosophical level too, I don't think, I mean, I think their entire sense of existence is fundamentally different. I mean, the, the case being the paracausal capabilities, right? And, you know, <clears throat> you can die and you don't die. A human civilian dies and well, that sucks. You know, they're dead. You know, there's nothing you can really do to fix that. Um, 
without them becoming a guardian, which, yeah. you know, it, it's like but, they, it's like you transcend humanity or you transcend. I don't think you do. I, I think you are still very, very human. Like the your I, I don't know. We'll just have to agree to disagree on this. Does this doesn't sound like one that either one of us is going to sway the other on? But no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and I think the, the thing is, is like I'm not I'm not saying that you're not. I'm not saying that you're not human. The I, I understand you're right. you're a a variant of human. Right. Yeah. You're like yeah. And I I don't know if yeah. I think on a philosophical level, I I see a very vast difference. But like on a physical biological level, I totally can see the. Uh, I mean, there's there's a degree of difference there too because just if you start thinking about like what would oh, biologically, what would be required for, you know, the paracausal capabilities of generating that much light. Um, I would think that there would be, you know, a significant mutation required. Um, but yeah, I mean like, and, and, you know, this is all, this is all prefaced on the 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 very big qualifier that this is as we know of right now in the game um and also the fact that you have to <laughs> that we unlike jacob hardy are not conversant in the slippery reality of light so you know atheon quote insert here um yeah so but here here's my problem with yeah and and i completely agree with that here's my problem with uh you know, all that jazz. We are human, so mm-hmm. we're we're human at the at the outset, right? Right. Um, then in, we're acted on by an external right. um, stimulus, mm-hmm. being the traveler and its light. Um, say say let's let's bring this back to terms we could actually have happen in the real world. Mm-hmm. So. You're human. There's no denying that. Right. You are exposed to radiation. Okay, Spider-Man. Now, no, no, not in a cute Spider-Man way. You're exposed <laughs> okay, to radiation yeah, yeah, yeah. In, okay. a, in, a tr- in a Chernobyl kind okay. of way. You know what I mean? Yeah. You wouldn't be in. You wouldn't be a different subspecies of human then, regardless of the effects. It doesn't matter if the effects are positive. In that you're now immortal and you have a little ghost companion and you can, you know, you can harness the light in all these different ways. Or if the effects are a whooping cough and, and you know, you know, having bloody discharge from your ears, it's, it's still being acted on from the external and having effects. So oh, I can I see definitely I see you. I could definitely see the next generation of guardians if guardians can procreate. I could definitely see the next generation and the generation after that being a subspecies unto themselves. But I think right now, Gen 1 guardians are still technically whatever species they were. Well, okay. Okay. No, 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 no. Let's let's dive into that a little Uh, bit because, you know, we have an example of that in game. The Awoken. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, no, you are. Because, I mean, we, we've had this right. conversation I, about the Awoken. The Awoken yeah. are not human, right? I think we, we could agree that the Awoken 
technically would, I guess, be a subspecies of, of human. A subspecies. A right? mutated subspecies. A mutated subspecies. Yeah. So, and we know, we know the Awoken can procreate. So generation two of the Awoken, you would, we would agree, are a completely variant subspecies of humanity. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm completely okay. with that. So, yeah. and I, and I, I agree, I agree completely with you. I, I, I see the logic there because you're right. If it's, if it's, um, if it's an external source that doesn't change the base. Well, okay. In a, in a, in a universe similar to ours, an external source couldn't change the base genetic code of the species that it's acting on. Now, Mm -hmm. again, we're dealing with space magic. So take all this worth a grain of salt and as opinion, but if logic emphasis on the, if, if logic follows, then yes, I see where your point is, and I agree completely. Now, there is the possibility that in becoming a guardian, we are merely physically appearing to be human when actually we're something mm-hmm. more, right? Could you could you agree with that? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I could agree with that. And Done. You got to remember these things. I'm no anthropologist, but these things kind of break down. Um the species consists of a family, a subfamily, hmm. a tribe, a subtribe, and a genus. So there's a lot of wiggle room there. Right, 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 right. Um, and yeah, I would definitely argue the Awoken are, are a mutated subspecies of human who have, you know, um, kind of come into their own. I don't think just the act of being a guardian makes you non-human. Right. I no, do but think it, just- it makes you s- something more. But at your at your core, you still will be in the hominidae family. Yeah, I guess is what I'm Libby saying. Libby has it correct. We're all space space liches. Yes, and I definitely love uh, Mage's question. He's kind of asking, "What's the technical aspect?" Oh of being yeah, I see that guardian yeah. and receiving these abilities. Is their genetic code being rewit- rewritten? Uh, because that would suggest that the capacity was already there. I've always said that the capacity was already there. How else would there be a selection process? Right. And I think that, why would it not just be academic? Exactly. And I agree completely with that because we know that humanity was changed during the golden age Mm -hmm. because that was, I mean, we, we talked about that when we were talking about the golden age and it's bestowing its gift and that spark that spark that allowed mm-hmm. us to create the golden age that couldn't, that could be the part that, and that's what I, that's what I was kind of saying is like, you could argue at that point that that was the end of human, the, the human species, because at that point there was something that happened to us. Um, I think that would be a more applicable argument to say, if you really want to get granular and say, you know, humanity, quote unquote, is gone. True humanity or whatever you want. I think that would be a more accurate point than saying that a, the the risen or the lords of iron or whatever you want to call them, warlords or the guy, the people who came back from the dead. Um, that might not be the the evening of the human species as much as the start of the golden age. And even I mean, Hardy even spoke about that a little bit as well about what it felt like to see mm-hmm. to see the end of what was it the end of the era of human self-sufficiency 
So yeah, yeah, and and Libby nailed it. He said, uh, <laughs> "If the changes brought about by the Traveler um, caused a chromosomal change in the Awoken to be incompatible with humans, as far as like reproduction goes, oh my gosh, um, we could have a half Awoken. They would be a different species. So." When I guess that is a really good dividing line. Say again, I'm not an anthropologist, so that's that would be a really good dividing line. If you cannot reproduce, mm-hmm. that that is kind of the special line, isn't it? Yeah. Well, but I mean, uh, but you gotta be careful there because we don't know if guardians can reproduce. Yeah, yeah, but it, yeah, you are correct. You are correct. So, anyways, they're a sterile people. <laughs> Calm down, Skullus. <laughs> oh so, man! Did we get through? I think we, we got through. through we got through everything. The the uh, I did I did have a quote uh, from Deej back in. I man, these Ides of Mail are just really fun to go digging through. They keep popping up. They keep popping up, man. They just they they got little good. They got good little tidbits in them. Uh, there's just a quote. It's not anything huge. Um, it's kind of something that everyone everyone already knows, but it's it's still it's it's a fun quote. Uh, he said that not all the not all of the aliens in Destiny are evil, just like not all humans are good. So stick that in your pipe nice. and smoke it. Um, but yeah, so again, just kind of summarize. We're, we had we did get an email this week. Uh, we will be talking about it in just a second, but I did want to just really quick. Kind of summarize everything. Um, humans are tenacious as bleepity bleep. Um, as endling. <laughs> they, I mean, and again, I'm going to Hemingway, the quote from the, the old man in the sea. It says, but man is not made for defeat. A man can be destroyed, but not defeated. Um, you know, it, it's just, that is a really, really good quote for, yeah, for humanity. I mean, it's just that that adherence to hope in the face of all hopelessness. Um, you know, we talked we talked quite a bit about that, and that's because the grimoire really paints this picture of humanity as the kind of just un just just don't back down. They just are always going to challenge your right to prove that they don't they don't need to be here. Um, but yeah, Justin, you got any you got any summarization statements before we jump into the dispatches? Yeah, no, I was gonna say if 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 I'm thinking quotes that typify the human spirit, um, there's one that's kind of attributed to both Theodore Roosevelt and Abraham Lincoln. When you're at the end of your rope, tie a knot and hold on. <laughs> it's just that that's golden age humans for me right there. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think we nailed it. We actually got into some stuff that I had no idea we were going to. No. Yeah. So ditto. That was, I, I, that's why, that you know, fun. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of people, uh, you know, just as a side note, a lot of people are like, well, you're, you have really bare show notes. And I was like, yeah, but that's where the fun conversation comes from is. Yeah. Us I just kind of being like, I think this, no, I think this. So, Mm-mm. yeah. So, yeah, no. You ready? Ready for dispatches? Yes, sir. Do the dispatches. All right. Yeah. 
Dispatches from the Wilds. Right, so our fur well, our only dispatch this week is actually from Green Eyed, and they she has a really good couple of questions. And so she says, My question has to do with human advancement and the traveler. Most of the time, we focus on the direct human modifications that happened, i.e. no or i.e. longer lifespan and mental capacity. But I'm more interested in the next line. We know that countless ancient diseases and hatreds were extinguished forever. This could mean a lot of things. Yet a line further down the card mentions the philosophical strife that was experienced as well. I would like your take on what you think this line is referring to. Nefarious mind control, a happy kumbaya barbecue hosted by the traveler, genetic remapping, or some some other sociological trigger to cure the world of its divides. Keep up the good work. Uh, okay, so obviously this is in reference to the Golden Age Grimoire card uh, that we kind of spent a yeah. little while on. Uh, Justin, what do you that barbecue? Uh, yeah, yeah, I just want to be at that barbecue all day long. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, actually, um, the line about we know that countless ancient diseases and hatreds were extinguished forever. So the disease thing, I think, is more of the the physical effects of the traveler. Um, but the hatreds, um, it completely makes sense to me because we're human beings are, we're such myopic little, you know, beings. <laughs> like, me, I, I, I hate to put it that way. It's, no, it's, no, it, it sounds, it really sounds is. like a bad thing. But like me, take me for example, I'm really concerned with what goes on within. The it's not just four walls. I got a pretty nice place, but the, the you know however many walls make up my house, right? Mm-hmm. That's my first concern. I'm really really concerned. Everyone that's outside my door, just by by default, is an outsider. They're they're you know until they establish themselves as friend or foe, they're an unknown and they will be treated as such. Um, and then everyone on my street, if there was some outside force that threatened my street everyone on my street would be like my kind of my family. Mm-hmm. And then if someone was attacking my town, everyone in my town would be like my brothers and sisters. And we would band together against the outside force. Right. We, we deal in, we deal in our, our immediate community. Right. So long ago, you know, I'm not a sociology professor, but long ago we, we kind of split to the four winds as humanity and we made up nations and we thought it'd be a great idea if we had flags and elected leaders and killed each other a bunch. And we have these really, you know, petty, you know, wars and fights and squabbles and maneuvering against each other. But I could totally see that the appearance of a gigantic alien orb would make us go, okay, so this is stupid. This is, yeah, this is what we're doing. It's not smart at all. There's stuff that's out there that's bigger than us. And I think that's where that came from. I don't think the traveler did anything psychologically to make everyone, you know, stop fighting each other. I just think it was they stopped looking across the way at their enemy and started looking up at the sky, Um, which is what you see in all these movies where aliens attack. Right. Um, Enemies become allies because, you know, there's bigger enemies out there. I think that's what it is. It's just being made to feel small. 
mm-hmm. and you find you can you find kind of brotherhood and fellowship in that feeling small. That was a really, I think I, I, that was a long way to get there, but that's why I totally lost you as soon as you started talking about having flags, <laughs> because all I can think is the Eddie Izzard quote. Have you, have you, which, seen? Which oh that? my gosh, you haven't. Okay. So there's a quote from Eddie Izzard. I'm going to pull it up real quick. There's a quote from Eddie Izzard that's talking about flags and how you can't, you can't have a country without a flag. And he, so it's, we stole countries with the cunning use of flags Just sail around the world and stick a flag in. I claim India for Britain. They're going, you can't claim us. We live here. 500 million of us. Do you have a flag? No. Well, if you don't oh. have a flag, then you can't have a country. Those are the rules that I just made up. That's all I can think of. Like you're talking. But yeah, and I mean like the other the other thing is like I agree actually I agree completely with you. Um I think so the Golden Age card talked um and I kinda I kinda did comment on this. The there there's an ending to that Golden Age card that said a contagious sense of pluralist Pluralist compassion. Okay. Pluralism is, it's got a lot of different meanings, but within a cultural sense, um, a cultural pluralism is really, it's, it's a condition in which minority groups participate fully in dominant society, but are, but yet they maintain their cultural differences. Uh, and, and this, Cultural pluralism, pluralism, is a doctrine that basically states that society actually benefits from such a condition. Uh, and you know, you actually hear that a little bit in the Resolazir card about when he's talking about like all the different ideas coming together and you know bridging these issues. That that's a very common definition of pluralism um, in philosophy and you know in other things. Uh, you basically it's it's basically the state or quality of being plural. Um, which is, yeah, Libby, Libby makes this, it's the joke is pluralism has plural meanings. Who would have thunk it? Like (laughs) that is actually kind of the thought. Um, there's, there's a lot of different variations. Uh, so like in philosophy, it's a theory that reality consists of two or more independent elements. Um, but I mean, I think I, I always read the golden age card as kind of having that cultural pluralism. Um, and, and I think that's kind of, Socially, uh, it's in today's world, it's very, very instinctual to have stereotypes. Um, and I don't mean that in mm-hmm. the negative sense of the word. I mean, literally a stereotype. Um, a stereotype is basically, from a psychological point of view, basically a clumping of data. Uh, it's it's basically breaking chunks of data into pieces and you you naturally will group like things with like things so like that that's where those kind of come from um the danger of that is well you know look around that's kind of the danger is you get you you can develop xenophobic tendencies from those um and i think that you know, what you were saying about the sudden realization um, that, that we are, we're not alone really kind of shatters that entire sense. Um, you know, it, it says that in the, the Golden Age cartoon, it, it reshaped 
and shattered our scientific and philosophical frameworks. And I think that that speaks very loudly to the social frameworks and philosophical social frameworks, because, you know, you, you were totally, totally on point, And I agree with you entirely is up until the travelers showed up, we, we had America, we had Russia, we had China, we had, you know, Great Britain, you know, we had all these, these countries carved out and it, it wasn't, I'm a human. It was, I'm an American or I'm a, a Russian or I'm a Chinese, you know, and the, and that's, that's how you identified. Now, all of a sudden you have this thing showing up from outside the system and you're like, oh, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. There's a, I, I can't remember it off the top of my head, but there's a quote from a, from a astrophysicist that basically he, he takes a picture of our solar system, you know, in, in the real measurement. And <clears throat> there's a, there's a point that he's circled and it's like, it's, it's literally like a pinprick. Like you can't even see it really, except that he had circled it. And he's like, this is earth. Now let that sink in for a moment because mm-hmm. that's the entire planet earth inside one solar yeah. system. And it's like, when you start wrapping your head around that, all of a sudden, all these little stereotypes that you get so that people get so bent out of shape, they don't matter. You're human, you know, it's, and, and, you know, that's like you were saying, that's the common thing with, with science fiction movies, the science fiction books, especially invasion kind of story arcs is all of a sudden something bigger is coming by and it doesn't, it, it doesn't matter that, you know, you're a different skin tone, you have a different religion, you speak differently than I do. It doesn't matter because when your existence is on the line, you band together because if you don't band together, you're dead. And even if you do band together, sometimes you're dead, but you know, we're not going to talk about that, but it's, I think that, I think that I agree completely with you on that. It's, it's almost as arbitrary as the right Twix versus left Twix commercials. You know, we, (laughs) we cascade ours on. No, but we, we do a, a vastly different process. We we shower our Twix and, and yeah, that's I different. About that. <laughs> it's the same thing. So, but I mean, I think I think that's an awesome. It's an awesome point too, Green. You know, I, I really like that because you know, obviously, and I agree. Like, I, I read ancient diseases as like cancer. You know, I in you know, other autoimmune diseases like. Yeah, you know, and all these all these really bad things, you know, polio, which we've nearly done anyways, but it's like really bad diseases that you know for us currently are just you can't get rid of. But the hatreds comment, I really think that's a good thing to pull out because, yeah, it's just I mean that that is, it is it's glossed over a lot. I don't think a lot of people kind of realize that. Um. And yeah, I think, you know, we kind of mentioned the philosophical riffs. I don't think have anything to do with really, well, I'm sure there's some, some social, socialistic aspect to it, but, or or sociological aspect to it. But, um, Mm -hmm. I, I always took the philosophical riffs to be more of the, um, 
Oh, the more of the personhood of artificial intelligence, I guess. Um, so what's the quote from Jurassic Park? Uh, you were so, you were Jeff so, Goldblum? yeah, you were so, you were so obsessed with whether or not you could, you didn't think about whether or not you should. Yeah. So though, though, those questions, those riffs, those, those ideological, um, you know, arguments, are just part and parcel of this type of exponential growth. This is the, that's the price of pro of progress is there will be, you know, there will be very, you know, varied thoughts on whether or not what we're doing here is right. You know what I mean? This, well, yeah. I mean, look at, look at I, cloning and stem cells and, and every other, you know, whenever we find the next new thing, it's always like, this is different than we've ever done before. Mm -hmm. Should we be doing this? Which is the question that absolutely 100% should be asked. Well, and that's like the whole SIVA development process. Mm -hmm. You know, that was entirely the, the one scientist was like, I don't think this is that good. You're fired by. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, um, you know, just, just ask, uh, well, you can't because he's dead, but ask Oppenheimer how he feels about, oh, you know, you know, like, I mean, this, these are questions that should have been asked at, right. at some point during that, you know, I mean, no, that's, yeah. I mean, I, but yeah, I, I, I really like this. I like this email. That was a really good point. Yeah. It's a really um, good email. Green. Yeah. All right. Well, so. What I want people to do is email us for next week what our topic is going to be, like we said at the start of the show. Our topic is going to be enemy weapons. So all the weapons of our enemies. We're focusing... Okay, before I start getting paracausal emails, we're focusing on... <laughs> well, you can get paracausal emails? Yeah, I get them. Do they not like come from a server? They no, just they, like... They just appear, and they we, we get... It's fun. Um... We uh, we are focusing mostly on the projectile and physical a causal weapons of our enemies. So Ooh. not not the special powers, not not the okay. combat tactics. So no bl no blindness balls. No blindness balls. No Stevie um, wonders. Okay. Yeah. I want I want to talk about slug rifles, line rifles, all these other things. I want to hear do you guys have any questions about those that we didn't cover in chat? We've we've been going through chat and uh basically summarizing them. <laughs> yes. Chameleon <laughs> in chat. I receive the emails before they're sent. That is a paracausal email and I it terrifies me. Uh, so yeah. Perfect. That, that is what <laughs> now chat's going off on it. Um that's what I want to hear from you guys. I want to I want to hear questions. I want to hear your thoughts on the enemy weapons and any lore that you guys want to know about that. Um, and then also wanted to give a big shout out to Gary. He sent an, an amazing uh, email about episode fifty seven, uh, which is our which is our yes episode. Um, we really appreciate those those word those kind words, and we you know. I think we've gotten a lot of positive feedback from that episode. So we, we might, you might be seeing yes on the polls come, come 2017. So Justin, I know you got a couple, couple shout outs for us. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I just wanted to uh, give big shout out to Mel. Sorry. You haven't been able to make it. I, I feel kind of guilty. Move it. And then, then schedule just takes a big poop on it. So I've, I've, can't wait to have Mel back because I've been starting. I started watching Naruto, and I, I'm not saying it right, but Naruto. Anyways, that still said it wrong, just with a rolling R. But um, <laughs> and um, so then big shout out to my red group, um, Manbag, Fraggle, Hobbit, Doctor P, and Daddy Man, the twins. Um, it, we were supposed to raid last night, and I fell asleep. So Justin fail for the win. And then um, a not so much a shout out, but oh, just yeah. a, a rest in peace for uh, John Glenn, um, who is amazing individual who was I. Oh, God, I always get this wrong. The first American to orbit orbit the Earth. Oh, that's right. I think that's right. I think that um, but he was a he was a veteran of Vietnam and uh, he's a Marine Corps pilot um, and very decorated individual past. And anyways, yeah, he was read the up f- on first American to orbit the Earth. And, Nailed it. I mean, yeah, not not to mention he uh, amazing was amazing individual. If if this was if this was Blue's other podcast he used to do, we would he would be badass of the week. Yeah, he, was, he definitely would. Like he was that in, amazing. He is he is amazing. actually one of the only people that I've read their uh it's not a it's a I always flip the biography and autobiography. But like he, he wrote he's written he's written a couple of them, but like the one about his his stint as an astronaut, I actually read his his book oh. on that and it was like I'm I'm not, I'm a huge fiction reader i'm not i'm not non-fiction i don't really usually get mm. into non-fiction but it was one of the only non-fiction books that i've read that i really didn't have a problem reading like it was just very fascinating he's very down to earth um really really just upstanding individual and 2016 needs to stop yeah that's kind of what i was thinking <laughs> So, oh man, with, with that, um, we're going to begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focus fire chat links to all our other various sites can also be found with our episode archives over on www.focusfirechat.com. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any feedback or questions concerning the podcast and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback on iTunes or through email as well. Please be sure to check out our partner podcast within the Guardian Radio Network over on the guardiansofdestiny.com. So until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright. <laughs>